What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out, and I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys, and they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, and they're always rotating in new seasonal cocktails, so come through and check out what they've got on deck for fall and winter down there. The patio is now nice, covered, and heated and will be throughout the fall and winter. So come through and big thanks to Produce Row for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute 
to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. It appears the the podcast is back in action on Spotify now, so you can find it there. And I've also been dropping some monthly playlists on Spotify every first of the month, trying to keep those really spread out genre-wise and just a glimpse of what I'm listening to throughout the month. So tap into those. The links for those will be in the episode notes, that Spotify profile. And uh, you can find my Venmo there, too, if you just want to hit the show with a few dollars, some of, some of that loose change you want to throw in for some of the whatever whatever the uh, the cost, the Dan Cable Presents costs are over here. You can contribute to those things as well. Hit me with an email, dancablepresents at gmail.com. Love to hear from you all out there what you're listening to or guests you want to hear on the show. But super pumped to get into this chat with Dante Elefante. We recorded this one a week or two back on a porch in Southeast Portland. It was the morning after the band had played at Mississippi Studios, which was just one of my favorite live performances that I'd seen in a while. Just a a killing band and fun dance party vibes. This dude was dancing and singing in the crowd and just really infectious energy and Super glad we got to link up in person. Ruben was such a nice dude and, and fun to chat with. And and then I got to see the band play just a, a few days later at Treefort, and it was another killing set. So definitely check out the tunes if you dig what you hear on the cast. And if you enjoy the conversation specifically, check out the Dante Elefante podcast as well. And I'll put the links in the episode notes so you can keep up with the tunes and the podcast and everything going on with them and also just a quick change to the dates at produce row mentioned in the top of the episode sunday music at produce row is now 5 p.m to 7 p.m and this sunday you can catch one of my favorite beat makers in the city of portland Meltzer will be there doing a free set this week 5 p.m to 7 p.m and all the links for the sponsors produce row north 45 distro kid will be in the episode notes as well hope everybody is hanging tough out there i'm currently in los angeles on the road with the incredible high pulp band whom i left the tree fort music festival with on wednesday and then we headed out to utah for a couple days and now we're posted up here in LA about 40 miles from where I grew up so it's nice to be back in California and uh, there's been some ups and downs out here for sure we're uh, you know dealing with the the realness of COVID out here and uh, there's been some isolating and a lot of rapid testing going on so uh, hoping that we have gotten through our COVID woes um, as the high pulp fam continues to uh trek forward but if you want to know more about the the tour adventures and the the tree fort hangs i'm going to start putting out some short tour diary type episodes in the coming months um as it looks like i might be spending some more and more time out here on the road hitting some different cities so look out for those coming at you in the feed and uh yeah let's uh let's waste no more time and and get into this thing episode 302 dante elefante from santa barbara california we're gonna kick the episode off with the jam 
that was my entry point to the band. It's called Find Somebody to Love off the mid-century modern romance album. Let's do the damn thing. You know that I've always wanted you But my heart changes all the time But when I've gone away And my mind starts to stray you got yours I've got mine there's something crazy about the things you do I know you want to run wild So don't stay at home waiting all alone Go find love, you've got time You better find somebody to love your eyes deceive someone I can't be I'm home now not for long there ain't no shame in my wanting I'll make my way back somehow but don't call it the end you can make some new friends until I'm back in Super fucking great to actually get to sit down with yeah. someone in person. I feel like so much of like what I've done still right now is is over Zoom. Oh, over Just Zoom. kind of like gotten into that mode yeah. through the pandemic and having the opportunity to talk to a lot of people that weren't in the Portland area, which was super nice. So it's it's almost like strange now. I feel like when I get to sit down with somebody. <laughs> so it's I'm glad I got to get to chat with you like a few days before the the tree fort madness right. goes down which i'm i'm so excited to be out there but i know it can be like rough trying to squeeze in like longer form interviews yeah. and whatnot but i feel like this is also like a nice uh this is a nice warm-up for me to like get in totally. the space of like being around people on the mics <laughs> and whatnot so it's true man I, I i uh i agree i think it was there's some pluses to doing them completely on zoom i had some great interviews over the last two years that I would have never have, like, I'm not going, like, I, I had an episode with Bob Nisanovich from Pavement. I am a massive Pavement fan, oh, that's so but cool. he lives, like, in Iowa, or, like, <laughs> I'm not going to Iowa anytime soon, so, like, I don't know how I would have ever connected with him that way. Yeah. And and so there's a lot of situations like that where I'm like, oh, thank God for right. Zoom. But then also, like, it's so awkward on Zoom. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It can be tough to catch, like, a vibe. Sometimes yeah. I feel like it works, and you connect, like, right away anyways, and... Sometimes I just feel like you're just kind of fucked by the the barrier. Like it's not like you're not getting along with this yeah, person yeah. or you're not having like a good conversation. There's just... like a weird three second gap of silence oh, from dude. them uh, getting your video and then being able to respond <laughs> to you. And I see it because when I'm editing them, I, at first I wasn't editing editing that like three seconds out. But now I go in there and I chop out every little three seconds and then the conversation sounds normal. Right. It's just the technical aspect of Zoom. Yeah. It definitely, like, uh, it changed the production for my show completely, yeah. like, during that time. Because I was always 
before that i was kind of very like stuck in this mindset of i want it to be authentic yeah, I'm and not like, gonna edit i want anything. the us yeah. to be in there and the little yeah. gaps but it's just yeah. like yo sometimes that shit's not interesting yeah. to listen to and especially doing the zoom stuff it was yeah. like all right there's there's some gaps that can just be taken out like you're saying yeah. and it'll make it feel like we're closer to being in the same room totally so and i you know and it's tough when you pick a podcast to interview musicians because there's nobody worse at fucking talking <laughs> than musicians and uh it's awful <laughs> dude it's so funny like it it is very interesting like some people will you'll ask them one thing and and they'll give you like a five minute bit without yeah. you even saying anything I and that's those. yeah it's awesome i yeah. mean you're doing the work for, yeah. <laughs> for me in some in some ways and sometimes yeah it feels like it's pulling teeth i think i've like just kind of come to realize that not everybody really even enjoys necessarily yeah. this part of it. And some of them are just simply doing it for the press opportunity. Yeah. Some some people, I think, do genuinely like want to do it, but still aren't like super comfortable talking about mm. themselves or their yeah. own art necessarily. Yeah. So. I, I agree. I, I, I don't know. I just I don't understand it. Like this is I, I think it's. I think it's good to be quiet and I think it's good to, you know, just want to make music. But like in today's world, you can't just make music anymore. You have to make content around here. <laughs> so much content has to be made. And like, you know, and the way yeah, I know that's like an icky word, but like I, I still consider the music and the art and, the, and all that to be art. And then like podcasting, interviews, YouTube, I consider that stuff content. Like, I think there is a difference. Like I would never call my album content. Yeah. Like that's the art, but the things I do around it, that's all content. Right. TikTok videos, all that shit. I wouldn't call it TikTok video art yeah. unless I saw one that blew my mind. Then okay, maybe <laughs> that is art. But like, <clears throat> there's absolutely a difference, and I think people get confused or they just I don't know. It's just I don't know. I think musicians aren't required to talk a lot. Yeah. And it, it's really hard for some of them to talk. So. Do you you seem to enjoy like making the content though? Yeah, I love it. It's like that's what I do for work outside of music. I, I'm social media coordinator for a uh, like a, like a music brand, and uh, I love it. It's fun. I think I got into it because of promoting Dante Lafonte, like and promoting my high school bands and like being on MySpace and like doing that grind. And I, I met someone, I was dating this person um, for three years in the mid 2010s. I'm fucking sounding really old, but like in the mid 2010s, I was dating someone who was in social media marketing. She's like, you know, the things you do for yourself, companies will pay you to do that. Like these boomers don't know how to run Facebook yeah, and they don't know what Instagram is yet. And like, you can do that for them. And I was like, Oh, all right and then that's you know i started making money that way you know? not a lot of money but you know, yeah yeah but you were always that like that person within your bands growing up and whatnot that would kind of let's make sure those let's things do those. Like, yeah yeah we could be doing more than um just playing shows and stuff like that yeah is it hard for you to find the balance sometimes like do you feel like you're ever like leaning too hard into trying to create the content rather than the music can it be a distraction for you in some ways i think ways? so because you can spend the full the full day working on like oh i'm gonna you know one of the projects i was doing was like behind the stems where i uh, you know pull up a, a pro tool session and kind of go through the stems well that took like 
30 minutes to record and then I got to edit it. That takes like another hour or two. And then it's like, wow, I spent my full day working on this one piece of content and didn't even play new music. But like, I think um, you just have to make time for it. I don't know. There's got to be a time for music, time for content. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking surprising how quickly you can lose a couple hours even just yeah. trying to put together an Instagram post or some yes. shit. And then you yeah. get halfway through and it doesn't like upload and you didn't like completely save the the bit that you had written totally. <laughs> like back at square one. It's oh, just like, totally. how... How did I lose this much time for this thing that I have spent way too much time on and <laughs> only some people are going to see? <laughs> right, right. The, 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 the true trick is uh, scheduling it all out ahead of time. And that's like what you would do for a brand. But like I always I always say, that not everything that works for a brand works for a band. Like it's just impossible to like always have that many pictures of yourself or like videos of yourself playing live and it's just um, trying to find things to post about. I don't know. It can yeah. be. It can be tough. Yeah. For sure. Well, let's uh, let's take it back, Ruben. Yeah, I want. Sure. I want to. So I found the Dante Elefante music uh, from Cruising the Born Losers. Oh, cool. Record label website. I I was just uh, I got into that that Jaguar Sun mm. project, and I've been trying to be better about actually checking out the labels mm. that you know the music that I'm finding that I dig trying to go back to the label and see right. what else is there and yeah everything that i kind of cruised through on that label was really great and then i found the dante elefante music and uh put on that mid-century yeah record and i was just like in right away and super stoked on the music and i didn't even i don't think i even knew you were going to be at tree fort mm. when i first reached out to you but then i saw you were going to be out there but um yeah, man, I just love the tunes. I'm super stoked. I got to see y'all play oh, last thanks, night. It was yeah. such a such a fun show. Yeah, it felt like a, a dance party. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's all about, man. It's about having a good time at the shows. I think uh, for years I spent so much time like trying to make serious indie rock, and uh, I don't know. This is just more fun for me right now, and I'm having more fun doing it. This yeah, way. you look like you're having a like a blast. Yeah, out there. it really is. And, like, yeah, that you're having the most fun and that shit's infectious i think for not only the crowd but even for your your bandmates i think it seems to like set a vibe yeah it sets a tone i I like i like to be the tone setter if i'm not having a good time on stage i don't think anybody else will and uh oh there's a cat i thought that was a person like, is this another person pissing someone off another window picture of a person (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i i i like it i like it i think um i think yeah i tried to make very serious indie rock when i was younger and now i'm just having more fun doing what i want to do yeah like when you were when you guys were playing call me on the phone last night you came down into the crowd there was uh not ever only was everybody super hyped that you were down there and just like a part of the party mm-hmm. and with the people i looked on stage and your bass player just had the biggest <laughs> smile on his face wow. just watching you out there like yeah. and i don't know it's like those moments that yeah. are really fun to witness and especially i don't know that like last night was first night of yeah. this this run of shows um so is this like a band that you've played with a lot up until this point yeah, like if you think about, I started Dante Lafonte in 2010, and I had um, the same members from 2010 up until 2016, 
and then everyone just got older and uh i had to like restart everything again so i like cherry picked my favorite drummer in town my favorite guitar player in town uh my bass player Raphael and i were djing but like i knew he played bass but i was like maybe you'd want to play bass on this tour and then we went to south by and then he just got kind of hooked into it um and then emma was playing keys she's she subs in for keys like it's always different people but like for the most part it's the core group of me joey Raphael and yeah yeah the fucking band is is killing like yeah those those musical break moments yeah just fucking were just as good as any of the the hook lines and the mm. big melody moments and the you know the sing-along moments totally yeah no i, I yeah yeah i feel great i feel really good about this band right now i think um we're very tight and we're all very friendly with each other and yeah i saw a lot of uh like chatter amongst y'all like last night mm. in between songs yeah. was that you like kind of like calling out the set as literally, you guys were going i'm literally the quarterback calling audibles hell yeah yeah like literally like this song next this song and yeah go. it's like literally like a football team yeah. is that like how you usually yeah, like to roll too <laughs> it depends like we'll try and write a set list but then it's like oh that song's kind of slow oh that one's slow too and then you have to call an audible like oh no never mind we're not doing that one tonight we're doing this one yeah 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 does that keep things feeling a little more free yeah it's a little more you? free a little more fresh you know especially when you've done some of the i've played some of these songs now for like years um the newer stuff even the newer stuff now has been a couple years because we had it before we recorded which was like 2019 we went on a summer tour in 2019 where we kind of like showed all these songs before we even start tracking the record so uh since 2019 we've been playing a lot of these disco tracks so yeah yeah you think that like keeps the the band kind of on their toes and and keeps it like feeling exciting for them? I, I hope so. <laughs> I'm sure they would love a set that they knew where everything was coming up, you know. Yeah. And I hate like gap like that like emptiness gap in between songs. So like I always I'm always pressuring the drummer like, come on, let's go, let's yeah. go, let's go. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's. I don't know. It's like you wouldn't really notice we unless like, you were really paying attention. And it wasn't like there was. We play like 10 songs and it's like a 45 minute set. Yeah. We play a lot of <laughs> songs for like a short amount of time. Yeah. It's awesome. Which we could stretch it out. It could be an hour. It could be an hour 15 set, but I don't know. I hate that shit. No, it keeps it keeps yeah. it moving. Keep and moving, and it was. It's a Wednesday night. Dude, yeah, man. can't keep people out that way. I was just impressed to see um, so many folks that were consistently dancing yeah. the entire set. That's yeah. fun. To That's watch, really cool. you know. Yeah, that was like the main goal when I first started Dante. I was like, I want to make people dance, and then, um, but I didn't make dance music. But like for some reason, I thought they were gonna dance to like serious indie rock. But yeah, yeah, and it seems like you know with these last couple records, it seems like you've really like leaned into a different feel and and dynamic to to what the band is. <clears throat> yeah, it's like this weird thing. I've talked to this with a few musicians, but it's like this weird. Um, we see our career differently and we think people are going to see it the same way that we do. And like, Oh yeah. Like, cause that's what we do when we freak out about musician, we listen to all the records and we listen to how they progressed. And, and like, for me, I had like, a, I was like, okay, I'm going to do the surf rock thing. Okay. Then the next one's going to be more like C86. It's going to be a little bit more mature. And then the next one, it's going to be rock, but we're going to put some dance music. And then now this is the dance record. Nobody sees music that way but us. But for <laughs> me, I like that progression that you can actually see the progression through the records. Of Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think it's exciting to see that progression. Yeah. And especially for somebody that, you know, came to your music on this from this last record. And now I'm having the opportunity to kind of 
dive backwards yeah. and see how things have you know changed and evolved yeah. over the years and uh yeah i mean i i think you're definitely like making my favorite music that you've made right now like the, Me, the mine too yeah, the yeah. mid-century record is obviously my entry point into right. the band so there's a soft spot there and you know that record i think just just every track is so killer and uh, and and it's also like one of those things where i feel like it offers like a lot of different dynamics yeah. you know like i thought it was maybe something from the the opening track on the record the gotta find somebody to love yeah, totally. you know and and maybe it's this like super soulful r&b thing but then you get into like these kind of more like disco moments totally. and like the huge synthesizers making moves yeah absolutely man i think one of my favorite bands was you know growing up was wilco and i got into wilco during sky blue sky and then working my way back i was like oh this was a country band at one point like what the fuck happened and then uh but you know i still i love their later stuff more than their earlier stuff and i think that's just how it works and uh yeah i don't know i Find Somebody to Love was written on tour with me and my bass player, Raphael. And uh, that was more soul. And that had some other songs that were more soul. And uh, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Uh, the disco stuff, I was just listening to a lot of disco. And I was like, oh, I've always listened to disco. I love disco music. And I just wanted to make music that was like the music I grew up listening to. And uh, I was like, you don't hear a lot of disco anymore. And when you do hear disco, it's kind of like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't want to name any bands, but <laughs> some stuff that I don't really like vibe with, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, like, what's that one? They And they would call it disco, but I wouldn't call it disco. It's like, walking on a dream. Like that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know that song? Empire of the Sun or something? Okay. Like you know? Yeah. No, I think people would call that disco, and I wouldn't call that disco. I'd call that, like, you know, top 40 pop music, yeah. you know? It's definitely yeah. people trying to recreate some things. Yeah. Or like that new Dua Lipa record. Like people are calling that disco. I'm like, I don't really call that disco. But yeah, calling lawyers. That's calling what calling. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm I'm digging deep into that conspiracy. I don't. I think that band's lying. <laughs> They're just trying to get paid. Yeah, I because like I looked it up. I was like, how come all the uploads have been like from recent? Like there's no old uploads. So I don't know. Wild. Yeah. What was uh What was life like? Before Dante Elefante, Ruben, like where Man. you grew up in the Santa Barbara yeah, area, born, born and raised in Santa Barbara. I was uh, playing drums. I learned drums first, so um, I played drums for multiple different bands. And at one point, I was like in four different bands, just like punk and garage bands. And um, I just didn't feel uh, satisfied with doing that anymore. And I was ready to write my own songs. I had my own songs, and I was like pursuing my own songs. When I was like eighteen. But then, like, I was, I kept playing shows and just, like, nobody would come. Like, nobody would show up. And, like, the songs just weren't good. And we weren't good. And uh, I was forcing my friends to play with me. Nobody wanted to play. And I just found more, a uh, different community of musicians who needed a drummer. And I was like, well, I can drum. So I did that for, like, two, three years until it was, like, 2010. I got tired of it. I was like, I have to start my own band again. I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like the starting on drums like really informed your your vocal delivery and the rhythms that you would dive into maybe maybe even later into like what you're doing now i think the drums helped with like rhythm 
and like being able to explain to a drummer another drummer what i wanted in a song versus like other bands where like where they don't know what they want they like they're trying to mimic you know mouth it to you and you're just like i don't know what the fuck yeah. what, about, what if i did this like but instead i could actually just talk to my drummer and be like oh it needs to be like more like this or if i couldn't explain it i could just play it you know this is what i'm looking for and then i just play it myself and they're like oh okay okay yeah but uh other than that like Singing, I, I sang and I played drums in my high school band, and we always had like a really shitty PA, and I would yell a lot, and I think that's where the yelling came from. I learned how to sing and yell at the same time, and sing and scream at the same time. <laughs> because and of the shitty PA. Because, that's of our, awesome. because of our awful fucking PA. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's how I learned how to do that, yeah. Were you always pretty comfortable singing in do front my- of people? Oh, uh, no, I was like deathly afraid um, when I played my I played my first show and I was 14 and I was so scared. But like as soon as I started playing the drums and in front of it was like a full audience. It was like a high school thing. And uh, all of it went away. It was weird. I was like, oh, nothing bad is happening. As long as I do my part, play my part correctly, then nothing bad's going to happen. Then, yeah, it all went away after that. I was like, oh, all right. I can do this every time. Though. And then I just like fell in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I grew up, uh, I grew up in Southern California, like 40 miles outside of LA, mm. but my grandparents lived in Ojai. Oh yeah. For uh, so long. So like I yeah. grew up going like in and out of Santa Barbara. Like my grandma would always That's take awesome. me to that Santa Barbara zoo. Yeah, that was like yeah. always our, our move and That's stuff. Awesome. So definitely like, familiar with that area and what it, area were you did you grow up in 40 minutes of, uh, uh corona oh corona okay. yeah riverside yeah. county yep. um so yeah i'm definitely like familiar with santa barbara and you know that college town totally. vibe of that did that give you like a lot of opportunities to play a lot of shows when you were younger yeah so i met all the original band we had a practice space in isla vista uh, by ucsb and when i was looking for new members i started craigslist i posted just on craigslist because i didn't know anyone i wanted to like get outside of my circle that was mainly playing garage and punk and um i bet everyone they're all they all went to ucsb so like oh yeah i can just walk over there to your practice space and then I met like I didn't really meet that many people. I got kind of lucky, and so I met Kevin first, uh, and then our my buddy Tommy, and then he played drums. So we had two guitars and drums. And he's like, "Oh, my uh, my buddy Lopez, he's uh, studying abroad in Mexico right now, but he plays bass, so he can come by and play bass." And that was kind of it. That was like the core group of four dudes for like years, and uh, that helped a lot. And Tommy lived on the first block of DP. So we would like play every <laughs> Friday and Saturday. Um, and it's funny cause you, you, I look back and people will still come to shows and they'll say, Hey man, I was a freshman and I saw That's you play. Amazing. I saw you play on DP and now I live in Pittsburgh or wherever I live now. But like, yeah, I'll still find people who saw us in Ivy. That was like your opportunity to like really, uh, cut your chops then as like, the front person for this band and getting yeah. comfortable in that space. Yeah, getting comfortable and like playing these hour long sets really fast and like slow songs never work. So it's like that really uh changed how I wrote songs it was to fit that dynamic and that's why I think the first record was like so fast and so punk and surf and all that. Yeah. yeah. You- think that's also like a part of your your deal now even of just like not yeah. wanting to have much space in between songs yeah. and just like really wanted to keep the keep the show going moving. keep it going because like if you if there's a lot of gap in between songs those college kids are gonna leave 
there's another party they can go to <laughs> like a keg and a band that takes forever in between sets like they don't give a shit about that shit like so they'll leave and we didn't want them to leave the point was to keep people entertained for that full hour um we would play from 11 to midnight and that was that was it yeah and were you writing pretty much everything at that point on guitar yeah everything was written on guitar um everything was written oh man we were just writing a lot of songs like a lot of songs that we had never even released we just wrote all the time and that's always my advice to people just write an unbelievable amount and then you'll trim down and like the best stuff will rise to the top and then all your shit you need to write the shitty songs up. like the shitty songs are going to come so write them don't be afraid that you wrote a bad song you have to just write the bad song and then you'll erase it you play it live maybe no it doesn't work and then but you have to be brutally honest with yourself if something's not good don't put it out yeah yeah I, and i guess you get to that point where you you write a few songs that you're super proud yeah. of and that kind of like sets a new bar and you're like, oh, now every, everything has to be make me feel this way or, yeah. you know, not feel subpar. On our first EP, we had a song called All the Time. It was the first song and that was the song. Oh, my God, that's like a good, actual good song. How do we write a song that's better than that? Oh, my God. And then I write Never Trust a Junkie. And then that did even better. Oh my God, how am I ever going to write a song better than Never Trust a Junkie? And then I wrote Call Me on the Phone. And it's like, how am I ever going to write a song better than Call Me on the Phone? Like, it's just like that constant, like, you know, yeah, I don't know. Nah, I don't know what the next one is, but like, yeah, I think I wrote, I think this record, I didn't focus on writing one great song. I just tried to make the whole record great. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, Never Trust a Junkie the, the oldest song that gets yeah played it's in the like set. the only one that gets played now from that era you know i could play more but like with i noticed that i tried to squeeze in more uh, in 2019 while we were introducing these new disco songs but they really stuck out yeah and i was like oh these rock songs are really sticking out like i could tell the look on people's faces change and i was <laughs> like fuck oh no so I, i'm trying i'm still trying to find a way either we open with junkie or leave it towards the end but yeah, I'm trying to find a place for it. Yeah, for someone who wasn't familiar with like the like that collection of tunes, yeah. like last night, it was. I thought that was like a really cool moment in the set to like show the the punk rock <laughs> nature of, of some of the shit. You of know what I was? Like, yeah, this song is called "Never Trust a Junkie." And I was just like, "Fuck yeah, let's go." That was like half the appeal of that song. Is that like I thought of that title before I've written the song, and I was like, "That's the title, man. That's gotta be a hit song." And then I wrote it later, but I always knew I was like, this song's going to be called Never Trust a Junkie. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. So it was always fun to like say the name of that song and then people are like, yeah, <laughs> it gets people it, hyped. It got, it got people hyped, man. They know it's not going to be a slow song. Yeah. They know this, this one, this one's going to fuck you up. Is that uh, a common thing for you where you will just come up for like a song title or like a theme of a song and then like build something around that? No, that was the only time I ever did that. <laughs> I um, was driving past uh, a gas station as I was getting off of work and I drove past this gas station where I used to, um, I, 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 I never did heroin but like my i would enable my friends to do hair I, I looking back on it i was like the the driver and uh i was enabling for sure i should have <laughs> not done that but i drove them to get stuff um at that gas station so one night i drove by that gas station i said fuck man never trust a junkie 
and then I hopped on the freeway on my home. I have been in in those uh, similar situations. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting it's looking like, back on them. Yeah, and how I was like naive, 18, how yeah. fucking naive I was. I know. <laughs> so what I was doing even at times, so I was just like, no, I just I'm just bringing this person around three different places yeah. in town so they can get their tools. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Man. I was I was yeah, I was like I said, I was 18, so I I didn't know anything about that shit, man. So when I saw like my friends nodding off, they're like, oh, he's just not feeling good tonight. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, they're nodding off. Sure, and they're they feel sick. They're tired. <laughs> Were you always writing all the lyrics for Dante Elefante? Yeah. yeah, always. Um, unless I'm not singing the song, then I probably didn't write the lyrics. And then, um, sometimes you know, a liner here gets thrown in. They're like, okay, that fit, that fits better. Then let's do that. Or, you know, I'm not good with English too well, so if it's like that's grammatically incorrect. Uh, there will be some changes made as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, you have like, are you pretty open to people looking at your yeah. lyrics and you know, giving yeah. you their their feedback on maybe how something could be better or whatnot? Absolutely. I think like, not so much if like, oh, that's like not a good line, but if it's like, oh, I think it could fit the melody better. If you said this or something like that, that that I'm probably more open to that. But like, if it's like, oh, you shouldn't sing about this or that, I think um, I think at the beginning, like, uh, my bass player Chris. Uh, at the time said something like that can you like not write like the song about like love it's kind of lame <laughs> was, well it's what i'm interested in so uh no <laughs> i'm not gonna do that there's yeah. lines there is lines like it's like i'm gonna write about my life and i like set that boundary like this is about my life and what i'm feeling like you know yeah i get it we're all you know they're all college age and it was probably lame to hear me <laughs> sing about like my feelings versus like partying you know <laughs> You weren't ready for that yet. <laughs> Look, I know. I don't know. <laughs> so was uh, English your second language growing up? No, it was my first. Okay. I just was bad at English. <laughs> just bad. <laughs> I still don't know where like commas go. I feel bad when I'm like writing oh, emails dude. where I'm e- writing emails at work. I'm just like, oh, All I write right. copy too for my job. So it's like, dude, someone's wow. always editing my copy. I've, I'm I'm in the same same yeah. boat a lot of times because I do some some writing from some articles here and there and for some different like labels and magazines and yeah. shit and like i feel like a moron sometimes yeah. that i'm still when at they this send you point the edits. i'm 36 ruben yeah, and yeah. i still don't know where the fucking comma goes all the time i know and i'm just like i i'm making myself look like a moron <laughs> it's so bad dude I, don't know, I just like didn't focus on that kind of stuff in high school like i just I just cared about playing music. That was it. And I, you know, I should have paid more attention. Yeah. What do you, uh, you know, for somebody that was writing like some serious indie rock songs yeah, and transitioning to where Dante Elefante is at now, like, what do you kind of recognize as that shift or like, what did you do to kind of like shift the narrative? Yeah. I don't know, man. I think it was, I, I was hoping that it wouldn't be too much of, of a shock to the system for anyone who is already um, a Dante fan. But like, I, I also figured like, if people drop off because they didn't like it, that's fine. Cause I think I'll get more fans doing, that's like, I'll, I'll, I'll make up what I lost. If people are like, oh, like, cause I think I kind of experienced that with um, the first EP after the first EP going into the first full length album, I think some people didn't like it and I was like, eh. but then I got more fans of people who did like it. So yeah, I don't know. Did, uh, was there just kind of, 
were you grabbing maybe from some different places than you know instead of as as deep and transparent with the emotions were you looking for inspiration for the the lyrics in other places that you hadn't before i think i finally just like gave myself the permission to write that kind of music versus like oh this is what i want to write like this is what i'm good at writing i can just write another record like this but also that wouldn't be very fun for me so i decided to do a disco record because it was the stuff that i wanted to write like this would be a challenge for me uh i guess lyrically it's it's a little different because usually when you know you're in a bad relationship or bad things happen you can draw more from it but uh, i was like in a pretty stable relationship and how do you write about being happy and like all that so um, i think like like we were talking about the jenny song like i didn't really have anything of my own to talk about because my girlfriend and i met on tinder like so i used tom and segura and uh christina's like relationship yeah as like lyrics yeah Hey everybody, just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles. Muscles and Fritz are on the menu, their cheeseburger is lights out, and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So come through North 45 Pub for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. Is pop culture like something that will kind of like really speak to you in kind of that way i think so i think i think especially in times like now especially um due to the pandemic i didn't do anything so i don't really have lyrics to write about i'm talking about getting a job talking about moving out like (laughs) moving in with my girlfriend like i could talk about that maybe but like most of these new songs i have written right now are just have no lyrics like not a single lyric so i don't know i think i might just try to make myself laugh (laughs) like is this funny would this be funny to sing about okay yeah Yeah. (laughs) or just even diving into just the nine the 90 day (laughs) yeah something more oh yeah 90 (laughs) yeah i love that show that's my favorite show that uh, you know i don't know i think that was also like a pandemic show too living with my dad and and, um every sunday watching that show every sunday we still do i still go to his house on sundays and watch it that's amazing yeah after the after football's over we turn it on tlc dude trash tv the this, best uh yeah i've gotten into some ridiculous reality dating shows this these last like six months yeah it's bad fuck boy island oh yeah i love that one you're the one yeah yeah i love <laughs> i loved uh fuck boy island i think uh i, I mainly watched it because nikki glazer was on it and yeah i was like yeah same this is same great. i was like oh nikki's doing this I'll, like hilarious I love comedians mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So when you're like watching anything like that, like, are you someone that's maybe like writing down some shit, like writing down lines if you're watching no. TV or a movie or, or anything? Or it does it really process later? Yeah, I'll process it later. Like, I didn't think of, I didn't like go out to write a song about 90 Day Fiance. I, Jenny went on a trip to to Denver and I was like, oh, I'm not going to talk to her for a few days. And then I, it started like that. And then. And then the lyrics just started building. I was like, oh, maybe this is about 90 Day Fiance. How funny. Yeah. So did you, like, when you went in to get Rare Attractions going, Yeah. did you feel like there was, like, a whole new approach that you kind of, like, moved forward with with making that record that you hadn't really explored yeah, what before? Was, what was cool is that we did that one by ourselves. Um, we produced that one by ourselves. We, like, you know, got this uh, commercial for, what's that company? Fuck. What's the one where you can like, it's like a thrift store online. Uh, it's some company, but we got like a commercial for them and they gave us like two grand, which is like not that much when I look back on commercials, but they're being cheap houses. <laughs> um, fuck, I really can't remember the name of that company. Uh, whatever. But either way, we had a commercial with them and they paid us and we just used that money to like book studio time. And, uh, uh, studio time being we had the lobby of a recording studio that they rented out for us for like a grand or something yeah and so we just tracked it all there by ourselves and it was like the first time we didn't have anyone to tell us no other than ourselves and using our best um judgment and produce it 100 percent by ourselves and uh that was really fun because we got to do some some weird stuff yeah yeah did that also like i don't know just make you think about your music differently as far as people being interested in using it in that yeah. way? Yeah, I guess the sync was kind of weird. Like we always, like people always told us, oh man, your music is so syncable. Like you guys were definitely killing syncs and then like it never came. And it still hasn't came. I was up for, I was up for a big one. I have talked shit about, that. I haven't really talked shit about this company because in case they do want to do something in the future, but I was very mad because I was up for a big one um, with, uh, ooh, I can't remember which song, Meet Jenny or something. And it was like for a vegan ice cream company. And uh, I was like, oh my God, let's give you like some good money. And I didn't get it. And <laughs> I, it was fucked up because like every time I opened up my phone, that ad with the song, the other song they chose would pop up every fucking time. Because I do, I do like that company. I do like their ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> Were you right at all now, like with the intention of only writing for something that you might see as like licensable or like syncable at all? I never thought of it that way. I just wanted to make good pop music. And I think sometimes good pop music makes for good commercial stuff. Yeah. Love the, love the title track off Rare Attractions. Oh, yeah. Rare That's Attractions. one of my favorites for sure. Yeah. 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 I, uh, we did the drums somewhere else and then we just took all the drums and like, because we, we don't know how to track drums. So we're like, okay, let's just go to our friend. And he knows how to track drums really well. So we did all the drums there and then brought them back to Galita and worked on them in Santa Barbara. I'm looking for some And did you bring 
carry a lot from like what you learned from that experience into making mid-century modern romance or was there a different no, approach to making that one there's a completely different approach i think with um rare attractions i like strangled that project i really wanted it to be perfect and i had like i was listening to like a lot of like marvin Gaye, what's going on and like pet sounds and really complete records yeah that flowed and had like an energy to them and i wanted that and i think rare attractions does have like a nice flow um but like i strangled that thing where i played a lot of the instruments on there i like had everything like i'm gonna fucking do this by myself if i have to but like i don't think that makes for good records so when mid-century came around i went the steely dan approach and it was like i'm not gonna do anything and like we're just gonna who's the best person for the job like oh he's the best drummer she's the best drummer for this song let them do it and then we'll make it perfect and then um paul cherry also produced that record so um he had a lot of influence on that too because he's like a perfectionist as well so uh yeah yeah man even listening last night to the live show i i felt like i was getting some of those those steely dan asia vibes from it like just like some of those some of those grooves and and feels that you know happen within that record and like totally. like you said that's how they like made that album they just went out and they got the cool. people they wanted for each song not even just like the record but every yeah, single man. song to like, cherry pick different people and literally no ego i wanted to like i had so much ego on rare attractions that i wanted to strip all, all of it away and like who could play it the best would play it um I think that that's the big difference between those two records. I think it's funny that they're next to each other because it was just like, yeah, big, big growing moment for me. Yeah, man. And I think like both those records sound killer, but mid-century yeah. in particular, I just love the, the vocal takes that you got on that one. And I was curious since seeing the live show last night, it seems like, you know, you feed off of the crowd or like that live energy quite a bit so is it difficult at all for you to like capture something that feels alive in the studio when it comes to vocals that's always been like the challenge right like people are always like oh man if you guys can only track what you do live in the studio like you guys it'd be so great but like i don't know how to do that i don't know if anyone can do that it's like the record's the record and the live show's the live show you listen to the record to get to the live show and then what you see us live hopefully come back yeah for <laughs> sure know? like but like it's really hard to do that and i don't know i don't know how i don't think other people know how to do that either i don't know yeah do you have any like tricks that you have to like do in the studio <laughs> or like a, are you someone that like really needs like the right day to record those vocals no, or like, like you, can you kind of turn it on when like, you need to i can i can turn it on when i need to but with like rare attractions I did all the vocals in one day because we had like one day left in the, in that space before it was the first of the month and we had to get out. And so like for that one, I did all of them in one day and which was great. And then for rare attractions, I think I did all of them in like two days. And, uh, the, I think for rare attractions, I mean, for a uh, mid century, I think there was like some like pitch correction and stuff like that. So that's why the vocals sound like unhumanly good <laughs> <laughs> versus everything else where I didn't, I've never used that shit before. Yeah. To me, they don't even like necessarily sound unhumanly right. or like flawless. It just feels like they have so much feel and yeah. like rawness to them, along with like being technically good. You know, like right. to me, it does bridge the gap of like the feel of the live show and the record. Mm. Like, there's no, I guess there's not like a, a lot of letdown for me, especially totally. going being someone that wasn't as familiar with 
rare attractions even before right. last night hearing some of those songs being played live and then listening to the record last night or this morning it doesn't feel like i'm like missing a whole lot totally you know and the yeah. same thing with the new record oh okay yeah I, n- I don't know i think i think that's always been a challenge of just trying to make it sound live yeah but also not i don't know <laughs> yeah what is uh what do you like about working with paul because like yeah. he's another person who I just got like recently hip to like the music he's making. He's just a great producer Man. and composer himself. I was um, on. We were on tour at South by Southwest, and I was just like on my phone, and I saw uh, like a noisy article or something about this guy who's making like this like psychedelic jazzy Paul McCartney style music i was like wow that's like up my alley man as soon as i said mccartney I'm, I'm, I'm in i'm gonna listen to this and i listened to it as soon as i got home and uh, i was just blown away i was like this record flavor is like blowing my mind it's like everything i'm listening to and I'm, i was like this guy and i we can be best friends he's so cool <laughs> and um i like just emailed his booking agent at the time and uh i was like hey can we bring this guy to santa barbara like what can we do and uh, he had a tour lining up and we just booked him in santa barbara and like we didn't have any openers for him we kind of i was like i don't want to like ruin it by having some people who suck open for him so i didn't have any openers so um that's how i met him and then we just had more time to talk and uh like you know months go by and i thought like maybe paul could produce the record i think he does produce other people so i just messaged him on instagram and yeah flew him out and made it work did you guys seem to like hit it off the way you you hoped or like from just even listening to his music from afar did that did it connect like yeah i think i think it it took a little while for me to like get used to how he operates in the studio like i'm I'm, i've never worked that way before of like making everything perfect and everything like super tight to the grid i've always been more like oh yeah it feels good i was looking for a good feeling um where he's more like it needs to be like on like really good high level um playing and uh yeah that was like the main difference so it took a little bit of learning his production style and uh yeah but other than that like when we're not in the studio we're really close was uh was it hard for you to not like be able to tour this record how you would normally do it yeah it was a little tough it was just like how long do we hold on to this record i I was like i didn't have a label for it so i put um jenny out by myself and uh that's when born losers reached out to me and they apparently they were going to reach out to me for rare attractions too but like at that point i had like my own label um in in air quotes my label and uh because i was just like i'm just gonna put this out by myself and but they saw that and thought that another label had put it out i was like no it was just me you should have reached out because i needed help um so uh yeah so they wanted to do rare attractions that's why we put out rare attractions on vinyl with them because they wanted to do it anyway so it worked out perfectly and then uh they just reached out to me and said hey do you need help and uh, i said yeah yeah we got we hopped on a few zooms and got a plan going like okay it looks like the beginning of 2021 we can get this thing going and which was cool and then they got me on um jam in the van which is like which is a funny platform that never wanted me to play on their trip before but now they do it's just weird it's like you kind of saw like all these different companies and brands that never wanted to work with me in the past for some reason now want to work with me and i was like oh the record must be good because people have changed their tune on me yeah for sure i i could see how that could like yeah be frustrating and like 
I don't know. I think I like encounter that kind yeah. of stuff, even like trying to book this podcast. Right. And it's like sometimes it's like you need those gatekeepers, man, yeah. or just like the people that they just trust. Like, okay, you think this is cool? Yeah. Oh, I guess I think it's cool. Or like, I guess I'll listen to it again or something. Yeah. Because you know, there's that too. I think that there's been, you know, even artists that like, I've gotten to know over the last five years and maybe like five years ago, they weren't making anything that right. I was like super stoked about. But then like last year they put out one of my favorite records or right. something like that, you know? Yeah. I think, I think, I think it's all, it, you gotta live in the moment with that kind of stuff. But like with podcast guests, it's sometimes you just gotta get one big name yeah. and that will open the door forever for you. Absolutely. It's really stupid. You get the like, trust. You do get that trust. Yeah. And for me it was, uh, Sam France. Once Sam France agreed to do that, it was like, oh my God, the guy from Foxygen's in your podcast. And Rado was like, put me on. I want to do it now. So then Rado was on. And then it, I think it just spiraled from there. People, oh, Jonathan Rado did it. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. It's nice when you get those people that are like, oh, you did this? I'll do it too. Okay. Then. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, like, I don't know. You you got to show up for the, make to make those things happen. So, yeah. It's and, just, oh, man, it just sucks when they're like your first, like, I don't know. I don't know what the number is. I feel like it's like your first hundred episodes. You're just shit. And, and, uh, it's, it, you get better and better as you go along. And yeah, then, man. Yeah. I'm fucking 300 deep. And I feel like <laughs> even sometimes like, I don't know, yesterday I had this incredible conversation for like an hour and a half with Pete Yorn. And oh, really? that was, he was so like, he was, he seemed like very genuinely excited to talk oh, and cool. that made me stoked. Like, that's awesome and to break down the zoom barrier that we did were kind of like talking you, did about you, did you bring up his album with scarlett johansson i did we talked no. about yeah we I talked like about that, that. dude there's two of them i didn't even know there was the second one apart came out like three years ago and i think that one's even better really yeah there's another ep that they did a few years ago and both of them have teased recently that maybe there will be like a third <gasps> and yeah it was cool like getting just like, like to chop it up like about no that stuff about that record. but like yeah, I don't know. Like, I had that conversation, and I was done with it, and I was like, man, I feel like I'm not just, like, an imposter and yeah, doing yeah, this, you know? Yeah. But then, like, two days ago, I had a conversation with somebody else, and I thought it went blah. Like, I thought yeah. it was like, okay. And, it like, I think a lot of it was kind of like that Zoom disconnect. Mm. And But, like, it's it's just funny. Like, you know, it's just like anything else. Yeah. You feel like you have something, like, nailed in. And, like, talking with somebody is so, like, unpredictable how right. they are going to be if you are – if this is your first interaction. Totally. You know, like I have no idea. I mean, I get a little bit of sense who you are because you do have this podcast right. out and I can like kind of like see how you operate in that world a little bit. And yeah. you're obviously like interested in talking about things or you wouldn't have that podcast yeah. probably. So like I can feel that out differently than someone that I maybe doesn't do that many interviews. I think, I think that was also a big reason why I wanted to do a podcast is that like, um, someone, this artist I know named Haley Blaze, she has a large YouTube audience. She has like, um, she has like vlogs and stuff like that. And at first I, in the past, I think I would be like vlogs, but then I was realized how close of a relationship she has with her audience is like insane. And they love her as her, not just the music. And they're willing to support her. And I was like, that's what I want. I want to have a more intimate relationship with my audience where they know more about me and not just the Dante, whoever Dante is on Instagram. Yeah. I think I'm more me 
on doing these podcasts and people get to see that and it's like yeah it's just me and the same guy when For the sure. camera turns <laughs> off or when, the, or when all this stuff turns off same just trying to have a good time trying to laugh as <laughs> much as try, possible just trying to make this music thing happen <laughs> man yeah yeah was there like a triggering to like you actually starting the podcast or was there an initial focus to what you wanted to do with I, it when you think, got it going i think like most people i started i start i started talking about a podcast like a year before i actually made it and i was just like talking about oh we gotta do this well you know Raphael and i almost started one and like we recorded like one episode and it was about to it was gonna be like really music based and i realized you couldn't put that on youtube you just get flagged yeah and then uh that kind of went away and then i realized doing it with someone is really hard because you you know too many schedules and yep. so i ended up just doing it by myself and doing some test runs with just my close friends at first audio only okay bought a camera one camera okay bought a second camera and just like slowly watched it grow and uh just one i don't know i think i just wanted to do it. i think i think the pen i did it right before the pandemic so i knew okay this is what i want to do and this is what how i want it to look and then pandemic happened i was like okay yeah. now 80 percent of my episodes are on zoom <laughs> which is not what i wanted to happen. <laughs> and who did you want to like talk to did you just want to talk to other artists that were making things and kind of just get more insight on yeah. other people's process to inform yours and yeah curiosities I think, I think it was yeah just doing that and i knew i had friends and people i've met along the way like like random people i'm like oh why, why do i know all these like semi famous musicians i wouldn't even say famous but like respected like oh i want to talk to chris cohen but i don't want i don't know him well enough just to like talk to him but I could do a podcast and talk to him. And now we are closer because we did the podcast. Yeah. Like, but before it was always like, see someone at a show. Hey man, how are you doing? Good. Okay, cool. That's it. And it's like, you know, that relationship is only so shallow for but, sure, but you can have an hour long conversation actually get to know someone. And it's, it helps a lot. Yeah. It changes that attachment level. Yeah. Like it'll be, I don't know, cooler for me to like say what's up to you. Even like in a few days right. when I see you in Boise, absolutely knowing that we got to like hang out for yeah. an hour and like, I think it's also just uh, it always like changes my attachment to the music. Mm -hmm. You know, like I loved your tunes like before we had this conversation, and yeah. then like I don't know, going forward, I totally. think like I'll yeah, I'll I'll think about it differently, or I'll feel like I understand it more or something. Totally, just like you're saying, you're like because it's that the music doesn't like explain everything or like really speak right. always to like who you are like what you're into or like your thoughts behind it yeah i agree and and, and the same thing you know you you're you're you like comedy as well that scene of like you hopping on somebody else's podcast you're promoting your dates um there's a, a like a weird comedy community built in to like promote each other and i felt like we didn't have that either yeah like to promote each other and promote our dates and like hey i'm going on tour here are my dates i have a record coming out here are the things I'm, i want to promote and i i want to also have that because then I know I'm just doing it, but like I'm hoping like other bands start doing it and yeah. I can go on their shows. And, and maybe yeah, you're yeah. going to meet like bands that you want to tour with in yeah. the future that way too. And like have the opportunity to get to know some people before totally. you link up in that way. Or like mm -hmm. maybe it creates other opportunities to work with like other producers never that know. you meet along the way or songwriters. Yeah. Absolutely. You never know if that kind of, if that kind of stuff happens. It's just an added plus, but. Like if I can promote somebody else's project, that's the kind of nice thing is that like the podcast isn't really about me. Maybe the intro is about me, but like the rest of it's not about me. So yeah, it's like if I can highlight somebody else's career, that's cool. Yeah. That's what, really cool. what is like your, your preparation style for those? Oh, I, 
if I do them in person, nothing. If I do them on Zoom, I do a little because <laughs> I know it's so fucking awkward. <laughs> but if, if we're face to face, I do none. Like I know I, if I know them already, but I have been getting hit up by a lot of PR companies and they've been sending me artists and uh, I don't know anything about them. So yeah. I will do research on them. Yeah. And those are the most of the Zoom ones are like PR people send me them. It's fun when those start to happen too yeah, and that cool. you get to like kind of curate from that. Yeah. You know? And, and there's stuff like, oh, I didn't know that band was putting out a record. Yeah. And it's like you get to see that ahead of time. You're like, oh, good. We can line that up and coordinate it properly. And it's like the episode comes out the week the record comes out. And it helps. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, I know that you uh, you got to be on your way here and <laughs> yeah. get yourself to to Seattle. Yeah, pretty soon. Here, pretty soon. But it's uh, yeah, it's been awesome to have the opportunity to chat with you. I'll definitely put all the links in the episode notes Please so do. you know people can uh, keep up with the music, keep up with the podcast, and yeah. check out the guests that you've uh, been having on there. And I know that you've uh, probably been cooking up a lot of new music during all this time of waiting yeah. for mid century to come up. So yeah, like, yeah. I'm excited for. Uh, like I'm I said, excited for whatever is next, man. These last two records have just been so fucking good, and yeah, the live show uh, topped it off for me last night. It was like a, a very cool set, very impressive. Like yeah, like I said, the band just absolutely kills, and it's it's really fun to like see somebody like feel like someone like really left it out like all out on stage and that is like the impression I got last night. That's like what I walked away from, and I think it's like one of those things whether people walked in knowing who you were last night or your band i think it's hard to not have that be a memorable experience in some way or for them to not uh have anything like good to say about it or right, walk away right. with like a big fucking smile yeah for that hour and that's what's about man that, that's really what it's about it's about making people feel good making them feel like oh, i made a good decision coming out on a wednesday night you know hell yeah yeah uh, I want to play the episode out with Call Me on the Phone from cool. Rare Attractions, which, like you said, just recently got it uh, a pressing on vinyl. So that's available. Um, I don't know if those mid-century romances are, are available anywhere but on tour with yeah, you. Yeah, I think I, they might have sold out everywhere. I yeah. was so pumped that you had those last yeah. night. I didn't expect to see them. Oh, good. Yeah. Because I, they I, are sold out everywhere, yeah. and I've tried to buy one. And I, so I was very pumped to oh, see yeah. that you have that I got the last, like, on tour. 100 or so, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. So those are available. Rare Attractions is up somewhere. You can you can find that. All the other music is streaming we uh we end every episode ruben with the guest saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program so okay. if we can get the dante elefante it's a program we can uh, properly end this thing okay uh, i just say it's a program however you'd like to yeah it's a program you did it okay you nailed it that's that's the dante elefante all the links will be in the episode notes playing it out with call me on the phone from rare attractions and that's the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side portland or wherever you are listening from cool dude i'm going out tonight i'm feeling myself come drink some wine god bless my
just want to give a big shout out to distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast can't say thank you enough to distro kid for their support of this thing and make sure you go into the episode notes and find that distro kid link to receive 30 percent off your first year of membership with distro kid making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you so make sure you take advantage of that and the link is also in uh, the link in my instagram bio on the link tree so you can find it there as well big thanks to distro kid stay up stay tuned <laughs> 